Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. Wow, yeah, um, I am, uh, I'm really glad to be here. I'm really grateful to be in a meeting of AA. Um, I'm grateful to be asked to speak at a meeting of AA. Uh, welcome to all the newcomers. Um, it's really cool that you guys are here. Uh, I was asked to speak on Thursday, and uh, that's only two days, but you can imagine how much time I terrorized myself thinking about all the things that I wanted to talk about or what I should or should not talk about. And um, so, fuck it. I haven't really come up with anything. I just figured I'd let it fly and see what happened. Um, you know, I, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, both of my parents are alcoholics. I've never seen them drink a day in my life. Um, my mom is 34 years. My dad has 30 years. Um, and the reason why I said that was... Mostly because um, I was talking to my dad, and he told me like whenever I'm whenever I'm sharing, if I'm ever uh, worried about what I'm going to talk about, just talk to the people who are in doubt about AA. Um, and I feel like that's a good place for me to start. You know, AA uh, has fucking changed my life. Um, you know, I uh, I came in here and I wasn't like I, in my opinion, I'm not like a low bottom drunk. You know, uh, two DUIs. Uh, crashed my car t- two times. Uh, was in a, was in a black. Woke up out of a blackout after the, at the second one. That's like a that's not a low bottom for me. Um, you know, I'm like thinking, oh man, the way that I drink and partied, like I could easily like lost my house or you know lost my place or lost my girlfriend or been homeless or whatever. And and uh, my sick head tells me like that that like if I don't have that, then it wasn't bad enough. You know. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's tight. Um, so I uh, I struggled with that um, about eight months ago. I, I got sober January fourth, two thousand twelve. So I have a little over two years. And and uh, about like around the the eighteen month mark, I was really like, you know, maybe like maybe I don't need to come to AA anymore. You know, um, aside from the fact that both of my parents are alcoholics, and aside from the fact that like the entire side of my, my, my mom's side of the family is like, everybody is in 12 step program. And, uh, but like, you know, I was going to be different, you know, like I, I like to like black out like a gentleman and, uh, and, uh, you know, I like to drive my car drunk and like, but I was like a great drunk driver, you know, like I only got two DUIs out of all the times that I drove drunk, like two is a pretty solid number. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, man, so many things I could talk about, but I'll just talk about like, uh, a little bit about what brought me in here. And, um, I, uh, like I said, I was blacked out. I was trying to get home. Okay. Step back. So I promised myself I wasn't going to drive my brand new car home that night. It was a Thursday night. It was a work event. And, um, I drank like I wasn't going to drive home, but that is, in, in that sense, I was getting really, really drunk because I didn't have to drive. But I was at a work event. Like, the president of the company was there. The publisher was there. Uh, my clients were there. And I was, like, swing dancing with clients. And I, like, hugged Gene Kwan, which I don't remember doing. And it was, like, 
if you don't know who she is, she's the mayor, or she was. I don't know. I don't care. She is. Thanks, Dan. You'll. Um, and she's the ma- she's the fucking mayor of Oakland. And I gave her like a I costed her with a hug. So, um, um, so I convinced my friend who was probably just as drunk as I was that I was sober enough to drive. Um, I got in my brand new car. I drove away. And uh, we were in the car together and everything was great. And then I think at some point, like again, I'm blacked out so I don't really know what's happening. But what I've gathered is like at some point I realized that I was driving towards Richmond, California instead of towards the Richmond in San Francisco and decided to get off of the freeway in which I crashed in the car next to me Awoke from the blackout. I was like, you know, like this, just like, fuck, man, this, I can't believe this happened again. And then uh, arrested, taken to uh, Martinez, which is where I found out that I was in Martinez. I thought I was like, you know, maybe I was in San Francisco or Oakland because that's where I was driving or whatever. And no, that was a very um, rude awakening. And, and so I spent like 14 hours in jail, incomprehensible demoralization. And then that was uh, December 9th, 2011. And like I said, my sobriety date's January 4th, 2012. So I thought that would be a great about a month to do some controlled drinking. And um, I don't know if any of you guys have tried controlled drinking, but it's fucking awful. Um, and... Uh, I wasn't able to get drunk the way I wanted to drink, and when I drank the way that I thought I should be drinking, trying to control my drinking, I was not having any fun. And um, so then it was about New Year's uh, into 2012, where I was up in Tahoe, and I like went up to Tahoe being like, well, I'm just going to control my drinking through this New Year's Eve uh, weekend, you know? And uh, like the first night, I was like drinking and, and doing all kind of powdered forms of alcohol, and... Um, <laughs> and um, uh, so that went right out the window. And like, I don't know, I've never had the op- opportunity to drink in the streets of anywhere. Like I've never been to Vegas. Um, so that was like, take it to a whole, ne- whole new level. Like we were at a club and then, uh, you know, we didn't finish the bottles that we had ordered and they were like, yeah, no, you just have to leave, but you can like take the alcohol with you. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, all right. And so I did that. And then that was like, whatever. So New Year's Eve was just a fucking madhouse. I, I blacked out. I woke up in the blackout, uh, out of the blackout in the street when the ball's dropping, like none of my friends are around me. And then I like went back out and woke up in my bed. Um, and I had to do like, the, you know, like you black out a lot and you're an alcoholic when you have to do the check, you know, you guys all, you, most of you guys know the check where it's like, all right, wallet, who's next to me? Nobody. Okay. Where am I? I'm in my, okay. I think I'm cool. All right. I'm cool. All right. Everything's good. Um, I, I, that's yeah. Okay. So, um, that was cool. Um, and then, uh, you know, at that point, I still wasn't done. You know, I woke up that, you know, January 1st, and I had, like, a Tecate, which is fucking awful. But, um, and then, uh, I, uh, I smoked a lot of pot, so I was smoking pot for the next couple of days. But then Wednesday on the 4th, I went to a meeting in San Francisco. It's called Hunting, Huntington Square. It's a 6.30 meeting. If you're ever in the Knob Hill area at 6.30 on a Wednesday, I suggest you go. It's a great meeting. And, and I went there and I heard enough, I heard enough to be like, I can go to sleep sober tonight. And that was like never a thought that I really wanted to have. Even after all of my history of like going to AA meetings with my parents and like being like the kid, you know, like the AA kid. And like, everyone's like, oh, you're so sweet. And I like go to meetings with my dad now. And they're like, holy fuck, man. Like you're, I remember when you were like this and, and, uh, and just all this really uncomfortable shit. But, um, 
you know, it was it was great, you know, like and uh, and coming to that conclusion was like, wow, my life is, is is I'm ruining my life, and like I like I said, like I don't think I was really a low bottom drunk aside from that, you know, like I a, a lot of my drinking was a lot of my drink. What I mean by that is a lot of my drinking was fun. You know, I would go to clubs, I would do some dr- other drugs, I would, you know, smoke a lot of weed, and uh, I woke up, like, with miserable hangovers, but, like, I wasn't, like, getting in fights with my friends. There was, like, all... Okay, it doesn't even matter. I set all these standards for myself that were excuses for why I wasn't an alcoholic. And when I knocked those all down, I realized that I'm a fucking alcoholic. And once I came to that conclusion, I was willing enough to stay. And when I was willing enough to stay, I was willing for this program... I allowed this program to work for me. And uh, I was I was open minded enough to hear what people were saying. Um, I was willing to grow in this program. I was willing to believe that these steps could work for me too. And um, in in those beliefs and kind of that full on submission to to AA and knowing that the people in this room know something more than I do, and that I'm not going to tell these people. I'm just going to listen because uh, maybe uh, my life would change if I listened. And in doing that, uh, my life has changed. And, um, and it, uh, ex- like, materially and externally, like, I still have the same job. I don't have a car. You know, like, I, like, I still don't have a driver's license, which is whatever. Um, but, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, I, you know, we're in this place, um, which is great. I don't need a car. Um, but all these little things of like, wow, my life hasn't even really changed, but like internally, and I seem to always leave this part out, which is like the internal struggle of like the way my life was when I was, uh, when I wasn't sober and like how I felt like inside, like I was like deathly afraid of growing, growing up pretty much like being an adult scared the shit out of me. I was like, no. Not going to do it. It's not, there's no way. I'm just going to drink myself into a grave. And that was like what I wanted. If I hit 30, I'm just going to like start doing heroin. And then like, you know, like, and maybe I'll just die before I have to grow up. And so that's like not a good way to operate uh, living. And so in doing the steps, I, and I'm going I'm to wrap up real quick, but in doing the steps, um, that feeling went away a little bit. And I'm able to kind of like accept myself in my shoes right here, right now and be like, you know what? Like life isn't that bad and life is fucking really cool. Sober, you know, like way cooler than I ever thought it would be. And, uh, and like my, you know, like my life, uh, yeah, man, my, I don't have the life that I wanted. I wanted to be a rock star. Um, I'm not even in a band anymore, you know? So, um, my life is like, manifested itself today in a way that I didn't really think uh, I would be comfortable with or happy with. Um, and these things that I thought I wanted, which was just like some peace of mind and comfort in my own skin. Um, I've gotten through doing the 12 steps and working with a sponsor and going to meetings. I still go to a meeting like every day. That's because I want to go to a meeting every day. Um, and the hardest part for me is like getting up off of the couch. And, but then when I get there, I'm like, Oh yeah, I fucking love this place. And I love all of you guys. You know, I see so many people that I love here and that's only because I've continued to come here and be willing to, to let this program change my life. And, um, and then God too, and, and sponsorship and steps and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, man, I, uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy to talk to anybody about sponsorship and, um, and God or whatever your questions are or whatever. But, um, you know, just give this program a chance. It might change your life. Like it's changed mine. Thanks. Now I'd like to turn the meeting over to Izzy.
I'm Izzy, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Izzy. <clears throat> um, okay, well, let's see. Thank you. Um, there's a lot of people I really like in this room, so. <clears throat> Can you hear me back there? Yeah. Speak up, up, up. Louder, okay. <clears throat> um, all right, so let's see. Um, I've got 15 years sober, oh, and yeah. <laughs> 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 and um, I it, the last time I spoke at this meeting as the long speaker, I was married. Um, I'm not married anymore, and that's fine. Um, like life changes in AA for me, like in way better ways than it changed when I was drinking. Um, anyway, okay, so what it was like. Um, my first drunk, I got, <laughs> I was at a show, I got alcohol poisoning, I got arrested, I was fighting off the cops, they handcuffed me to the gurney, the band dedicated um, their set to me because they said I was going to die, and that was like, <laughs> the beginning, and like, I woke up the next morning, and I, I had like, you know, bruises from fighting the cuffs, and um, I I uh I came out to the living room and I said, you know what, um hey mom, someone someone drove me home and I'm not quite sure, like on my key and she was like, um, yeah, I picked you up at the cop shop last night. Like, you know, um and the woman, the cop had said that I had like the worst mouth she'd ever heard in her career. <laughs> I was a good girl. Like I did not understand what happened. But um, um she said, you know, I think you're an alcoholic. And I was like, that's ridiculous. That's drama. I just started drinking. Um, I'm not. And my dad was in and out of jail all growing up and an alcoholic and in and out of AA. And and I went to AA meetings as a little kid, too. And um, we, we've gone to AA meetings together now, too. It's special. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... So my mom had my number right away, and I didn't care. I just, I was like, just born and bred, just alcoholic, have to do this. And um, so the next years were a lot of misery, honestly. I mean, yeah, there was fun, but there was always problems. And um, I know I was in a band called The Weedemen, and all our songs were about beer, and we would, like, throw our instruments at each other, and I would, like, you know just black out every time I drank, every, every time. Like, I'd be like, not this time, not this time, and just every time. And um, I tried all these different ways to make drinking work, like, you know, the formula, like in Dr. Addict Alcoholic in the big book, like, oh, I'll do this much cocaine and drink these many 40s, and I'll only blah, blah, blah. Like, all the formulas I tried, and none of them worked, and... Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I started getting really annoying to people. Like, I would just, like, get drunk and in a blackout, like, spew about political theory and anarchy. And I was just, like, people did not want me around. It was just like, uh, and I'd cry about, like, the world is polluted. It's like a miserable drunk. Um, so what ended up happening, like, my bottom... Uh, so I have multiple sclerosis, which um, alcohol can make worse, a lot worse. And uh, my dad has it too, and he's actually like 
had a lot of seizures that come from alcohol combined with it. Anyway, not good at alcohol. And I went paralyzed on the right side of my body. And um, I went to my first neurologist, and he asked me how much I drank. And I said, like, you know, one-tenth of what I actually drank. And he said, that's really serious. And, <laughs> and, and I said, you know, oh, okay. And then just thought, Shh, whatever, he's being dramatic. And, um, but what I did do at the time was I had this junkie boyfriend, and I, I, I would have him, like, ration out Mad Dog to me. <laughs> so he was like... Like, I have this special cocktail glass. It was like, or, I don't know, I never drank a mixed drink in my life, but one of those thing, glasses that goes like this, and he would fill it with Mad Dog, and I would be like, can I have another one? Can I have another one? Please? And he would give me more, and then I would do some cocaine, because I figured that probably didn't make the MS worse. Like, I don't know what... <laughs> and so, like, here I was, like, limping around, um, you know... At this point, I was drinking, I drank 40 ounces, and I would drink 40s, and I would put them in the crook of my arm, and I would lift them, because this arm didn't work, um, I would lift them like this into my mouth, and um, just stumble around East Oakland. That's where I lived, that's what I did, and um, I would be on East 14th, or what's it called? International. Yeah, 814th. Um, at like four in the morning, just crying and spouting poetry. I don't even know what the hell I was doing. Um, like limping around. And, uh, it was sad. Like really sad. And while I was living there, I was super lonely. I mean, like, you know, that, uh, saying here, here that alcoholism is a disease of isolation. I was completely alone, and I was so ashamed of all the shit that I had done and all the places I had been, um, just really ashamed that I would limp around and get the memories in my head, and I'd go, ah, ah, to, like, shake them out of my head. So, you know, I'm limping around, ah, ah, and I'm like, um, yeah, and, and super lonely. So, like, I would listen to live Tom Waits records um, at night to, like, feel like there were other people with me. And um, I would call information to talk to people. And information told me to stop calling. (laughs) Which I thought was super fucked because you have to pay, like, 25 cents to call. I don't even, I guess it doesn't exist anymore. I don't know. But anyway, at the time. So I was calling information, listening to Tom Waits, wandering around. I was writing, like, terrible poetry, just suicidal dreck. And I was cursing people. Like, I wrote curses out and would do, like, rituals of resentment, basically. Like, may your seed never come to fruition. (laughs) Curse you in the name of all that is good. Just so insane. Like, people really didn't want me around. Like, I remember my best friend... (laughs) At one point, I had decided, like, oh, okay, alcohol's a problem. Uh, I'm just going to smoke pot. And then I smoked pot like a fucking fiend, like, all day long, whenever I could, wherever I could, like, how... And so I was... I would get really, really high. And I remember, like, smoking... um, Blunts. Yeah, that's a girl. And um, I saw The Last Supper um, in front of me on the beach in Driftwood. And I was like, oh, my God, it's real. Like, like, walking towards it. It's still real. It's still there. Oh, my God. And 
And I had this, like, theory that the Leviathan was buried underneath this, like, square in the town that I was living in. And I went to my best friend's house, and I was like, Daniel, the Leviathan's buried under this square. We've got to get out of here. <laughs> like, my eyes twitching. I mean, I was like, a mess. And uh, she was like, I think you need to go, you know. Oh, and I thought I met Jesus on the railroad tracks out there, who was just this guy who didn't speak English. And I just, <laughs> I, we like smoked a blunt together, and I just decided he was Jesus. And he had like the silver ghetto blaster, the one you draw when you draw a ghetto blaster. He had that one. And we like listened to like mariachi. And the, I don't know why I decided he was Jesus, but I did. And like, I was having all these delusions and really just... So sad. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it sounds sad because it was really fucking sad. And it was really lonely. And it was a lot of like, you know, talks about like uh, frothy emotionalism. And I had a lot of like bullshit spiritualism and a lot of like high drama emotions, but nothing. It was all just loops, old resentments, old hurts just looping over and over, just living in my own head so small and really full of shame and darkness. And um, at the Mad Dog Cocaine part, I decided I was going to kill myself. I mean, we all think about suicide probably a lot of the time. My partner the other day was like, hey, how often do normal people think about suicide? I was like, I don't know. He's like, is it like monthly? I was like, okay. I was like, probably once or twice in their life. <laughs> it was like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah, because we were talking about, oh yeah, I thought about it like three days ago. I thought about blah, 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 blah. But anyways, this time I really, I was serious, like gone to kill myself, going to jump off this parking garage and, um, those guys just stopped me. And, uh, that was part of the bottom. I think. So, let me see what happened. Um, so it's really, yeah, just lonely. Uh, and, oh, I was also going to a rich girl's college at the same time, which was a double life, which was really strange for me. So I would, like, sleep in my car and go to class with these um, educated people and just be hiding, like, so much of who I was. I always felt, like, scum and, like, crusty and, like, fucked up around these people and dark. And, you know, I kind of was in, in some ways. But I did get highest honors at the college. But um, probably part of it is that I got sober my last semester. So I was, like, a newcomer when I was writing my thesis, which was crazy. But... Um, <laughs> Anyways, so, la, 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 what happened? I decided to, oh, someone got shot in front of my house, and he died in front of us, and I decided to move, and I moved back to my mom's in Guerneville, and I just drank in the woods. <laughs> Man, I drank in the woods, and I hooked up with a friend of mine who was kicking heroin, so he could keep up with me with drinking. He was like, let's do this. And so we just drank and, like, talked about fucking philosophy or whatever crap. But it was still the same stuff where I just felt like, ugh. So my last drunk was um, at the bar, Northwood Bar, and um, I started a bar fight. 
someone called me River Trash, and (laughs) you don't know who I am, you know, and then bar fight, and I, right before that, though, I was drinking gin, and it was like, my, um, my body would get drunk, but my mind wouldn't get drunk, like, I couldn't get oblivion, I couldn't even get a blackout, I just was, like, still there, and that's when it stopped working, to me, that's when it doesn't work. Um, and I was really embarrassed about where I was. It was with these Bohemian Grove dudes and these aging prostitutes. And here I started this bar fight and then I was really ashamed about that. And I lost my wallet. And the next morning when I came to, um, I went back to the bar to ask the woman, it's like, um, you know, slinking in, uh, do you have my wallet? You know, no, honey. You don't have your wallet. And just the way she looked at me, I was, like, so ashamed. And um, it just so happened I was going up to visit my dad um, up in Koala. And my brother was driving, so he drove us up the coast. And I just couldn't speak. I had no words left. Like, I had nothing left to say. I was just hopeless. I was, like... I didn't even want to, like, kill myself. I just had no energy for life. Just my, I was dead inside. And um, there was just nothing. And, um, yeah, it was dark. And so then we got up there, and my dad had um, baby girls that had just been born, who are now teenagers, which is crazy, but they had just been born, these twin girls. And, um... Their little lives just blew my mind. Like, they were so, like, pure, and, like, there was, like, light in them, and I just saw something different um, than what I was living in the dark, like, you know, uh, nighttime creature. (laughs) So then um, we would go out on his shitty little boat. He had this, like, little tiny boat, Um, and we would go out on during the day, like, one of those aluminum, like, raft with a motor on it, you know, kind, and we would go out. And he was sober at the time. He was, like, eight years sober, and he was all magical, like, pink cloud guy. And he um, he didn't say anything about AA to me. Because I used to call him from East Oakland, and I'd be like, Dad, I don't feel good. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the Percocet or the Vicodin or the cocaine. I can't understand. And he'd be like, ah, oh, hitting the head meds, huh? He was just really even and cool with me. And um, so when I went up there, and I'd go out on the boat, and... It was like foggy, sort of stormy seas, and we're just like, it was just this huge force around me. I was like, wow, there's something more, like more than my little, shitty, dark, miserable, lonely life. Like there's these like waves and rocks and like cliffs and trees and like, it was incredible and the gray sky and the immense clouds and then I would go home and see these little babies um, that were just like pure life and um, then at night I slept on the floor in the den living room thing and um, he had a big book on the shelf and so I would sneak read it at night and so I pulled down and read the part about the jaywalker and how the jaywalker can't stop jaywalking and he like you know, he runs in front of a trolley and breaks his arm, and then he, like, swears it off, and then he runs in front of a fire truck and breaks both his arms and legs, and, like, what the fuck is wrong with him? And um, I was like, 
oh my god, I'm the jaywalker. Like, I cannot <laughs> stop jaywalking. <laughs> and I have jaywalker tattooed on my wrist. So, like, remember, like, I'm the jaywalker. And that was my moment of clarity. I was like, oh, wow, I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. And I just, like, looked up at the light picture. I was like, if you're out there, help me. And um, I read the part in the big book about... Um, we agnostics, so like you can choose your own conception of God. And I guess I really got a felt sense from my dad that there's no like rules in AA. There's no like, um, I mean, people can be dogmatic and it makes me crazy, but you know, there is no dogma. This is, you can just make this program whatever you need to make it for yourself. And, and anyway, me, I needed to read that. Um, so, yeah, that was the beginning. I've been sober since then. Um, so I told my dad, I was like, hey, dad, I'm kind of reading that book, you know, <laughs> kind of cool or whatever. And he's like, oh, cool. He's like, you feel like going to a meeting? He's like, no way. No. <laughs> They'll all know I'm your daughter. They'll know I'm new. No fucking way. And um, he was like, all right. I mean, just totally, that's awesome 12-step work that he did, I think. And the pink cloud, watching him was really great, too, because he was, like, magical at the time. I mean, he was the dad I always wanted, you know? Um, like, he had, like, hummingbirds, like, come and fly to him. And, like, like, it was crazy. He had a pelican land on his arm. I mean, I was like, whoa. We would meditate. I was like, wow. And then my dad was like, hey, let's have a pizza party and we'll go to the pawn shop. You know, he was like, Mr. Like, what's the next scam? Let's, what am I going to sell? What am I going to? So for him to just be in this boat with a pelican landing, it was like, wow. Um, talk about like, you know, psychic shift. Um, so he was a big attraction, not promotion kind of guy. So, yeah, so, oh, so then I went back to Guerneville, and I, um, God, this is a long time to talk. All right, well, okay, went back to Guerneville, no, 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 um, went back to Guerneville, and I started going to meetings, and when I said I was an alcoholic, I know this isn't everyone's experience, but for me, I was like, these are my people, this is where I belong, this is home, um, and it was great, um, at about six months sober, I got, like, MS symptoms again that were pretty gnarly. Like, I couldn't, like, button my pants and stuff. And um, <clears throat> I – oh, well, before that, I got a sponsor. And the reason I asked her to be my sponsor was because she had been um, a prostitute in the TL. And so I knew she wouldn't be, like, shocked by the shit I had to tell her when I finally got to five. You know what I mean? And so um, – I would meet with her. She had a trailer in the Redwoods out there in this trailer park. And I would go meet with her, and we'd read the big book, and she was like, the big book, blah, 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 like really intense about it. Like, we read this together, and she said, you know, why do you think you drink? And I was like, well, my dad was like, blah, 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 and my mom, and she's like, that's psychobabble. <laughs> Which is rad, because you know what? I'm a psychotherapist, so... <laughs> Whatever, I needed that message at that point. And so um, she was amazing with me. She was crazy. But anyway, she, 
that after the first time we met, she was like, I love you. And I was like, I love you too. Like, what the fuck is this? Um, alright, like, I'll just do whatever I'm supposed to do. And, um, so, yeah, she was great. And she had, like, I shared about this, but she had, like, the AA embroidery. Like, you know, she had, like, the to thine own self be true. Like, like, <laughs> she had, like, the, on her, like, she had, like, a little pillow, like, her AA thing, like, her chip is, like, on her special little altar. And, like, <laughs> she was just rad. And, um, in this trailer with her dog, you know? And so, oh, anyway, so, at six months, she told me, I said, you know what, this is ridiculous, like, this sucks, like, I got sober, and now I can't walk, like, there's no God. Like, God doesn't do this. Like, if, if God does this, fuck God. And if God doesn't not, you know, doesn't keep this from happening, fuck God. So what you got, you know? <laughs> and she, she just said, like, you know, I know that you don't believe. You just have to believe that I believe. And I think that was probably the only thing she could have said at that point that felt true. And, like, something I could lean on. Because I could tell she believed in higher power. Like, she did. And um, that got me through that. And she said, also, you can use the group as your higher power. You can do that for your whole sobriety. Just the group. They're all sober. They're bigger than you. The, like, combination of them is, like, more sobriety and more experience than you. So I also did that, and I was really angry in meetings for a while. Um, and I also, at that time, like, feel like I was grieving, like, my backstabbing best friend of alcohol. Like, like I missed that and that identity I had, like, the crazy, like, fucked up one who just doesn't give a shit and all this, because it turns out that I actually really give a shit. Like, I really care about, like, getting the A, showing up on time, doing what you're supposed to, you know, being a good person and all this stuff. And, like, when I drank, I, like, could just let all that go and just be like, fuck it. And I I went through a real grieving process around my identity change. And then, you know, these days, like, whenever somebody says this, and I'm sure you've probably all heard this, like, you know, this isn't a program of self-improvement. Like, it always makes me feel good because that is something I drink over. I mean, at least it, made me, it makes me want to drink when I try to be too good. Um, anyways, da -da 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 -da. Guerneville sponsored. So at one year, um, they like threw me a one year party, my Guerneville, my little Guerneville fellowship. And, um, it was time for me to go to San Francisco. And so <laughs> off, off I went and, uh, I totally lost my mind. Like at two years sober, I was going out in disguise. I had, like, different wigs with, like, <laughs> different personalities. And I wouldn't answer the door, the phone. I was just, I went crazy. Um, and I'm not sure. I think what happened at that point was I picked up um, a tweaker, a guy, 
to like uh, like to use. That's why I didn't drink. I think really, I was just like, oh, I'm gonna get hooked on him and like try to fix him and be obsessed with him and get an abusive relationship with him and get a restraining order against him and get into Al-Anon because of him. But like that's, <laughs> that whole process took about like a year and a half. So I think that like got me through the disguise part. Um, <laughs> And I also, I don't know why, but people wanted me to sponsor them at that time, which I would not have wanted what I had at that point. Are you kidding me? I was, like, showing up to meetings and, like, platforms, like, bruises on my arms. Like, why would you ask me to sponsor them? It's so tragic. Anyways, um, I don't know. I worked in a lot of nightclubs in sobriety, a lot of nighttime life, did like a lot of killer 12-step work in nightclubs, and had a lot of people like walk way around me because they were like, whoa, she's sober, what the hell is that, I don't know what that is, and that scares me, and then I see them in AA meetings later, and I'm like, hello, nice to see ya. <laughs> so I don't work in nightclubs anymore, but, and the whole story, you know, I did the kind of like picket fence AA story, I guess, I like went back to school. Um, got a degree, blah, 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 um, got married, got divorced, I guess that's not pick events, but, um, my sponsors have been really amazing, uh, guides, but this most recent one has really, um, uh, driven the message home to me about to thine own self be true, to thine own self be true, to thine own self be true, and that's what is continually my mantra. Um, I mean, when I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, I just have to like get quiet and like, I don't have a lot of clarity about where I am right now in my recovery. I'm at a turning point. Um, I got a lot of outside help. I mean, if you couldn't tell, I needed it. Like (laughs) the disguises and the abuse and blah, blah, blah. Um, and outside help, I liked it so much that I learned how to do it and provide it. And, um, that's been a really important part of my story. And, uh, let me see. Let me think about this for a minute. So I've got like, what, five more minutes? Mm-hmm. Ten more minutes? Eight? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me think about this for a minute. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Okay, higher power. So my relationship with my higher power has been such a tumultuous, changing road um, from all, the whole spectrum of, I would say, atheist to uh, true believer. I mean, I think I've had every part on that that spectrum. Um Right now, I'm, I'm back in the agnostic, hopeful agnostic, I guess. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> hopeful agnostic. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Um, but I have been the defiant atheist and, uh, you know, um, the, um, the nihilists who believe in nothing. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> You know, the way I started a relationship with the higher power was like, where were you when? And I would go up to this mountaintop in Gurndale and just scream at God. Like, what about this? Why did that happen? What happened to him? And uh, that's how I built a relationship with the higher power. That's how I started really talking to higher power. 
And then now I tend to like think about, it talks about in the big book, like in every child is a fundamental idea of God. And so for me, um, something that works is my imaginary friend from when I was little, which was a fox. And so Foxy was his name. So Foxy's kind of, he's like my like pinch hitter higher power. And I'm like, no, I don't believe in all y'all, but oh, I have Foxy. So <laughs> Foxy doesn't go away. And uh, I don't know. Quantum physics has been helping me a little bit lately, but um, it's really hard to talk about higher power. I'm having a hard time doing it. Um, I don't know. I think for the newcomers, it's like just, um, you know, the willingness to maybe think that there might be something is awesome, you know, and even if you don't have that, that's okay. Um, yeah, I don't really want to talk about higher power. Um, <laughs> this is so long. Uh, okay, so my, like I said, with my first fifth step, like, I thought I was just the scum of the universe and, like, that I had ruined people's lives. And um, I was so ashamed. And when I, <laughs> when I read my fifth step, my sponsor laughed. Like, she laughed at my fifth step because it was so insane and ridiculous. I, um, I thought I drove this guy crazy because I took advantage of him because this next time I saw him, he was holding a sign saying like Armageddon was coming and like speaking in tongues. And like, I thought I had done that to him. <laughs> I don't think I'm that crazy anymore. Like, I'm pretty sure that I'm not. Um, I don't pretend to be, like, super sane or an expert or... It's like my old sponsor in the city used to say, Oh, honey, if they're putting you on a pedestal, they are sawing it down at the same time. Like, don't do not do that. Like, uh, so I try not to do that. Um, I think that the to thine own self be true is the most important thing for me right now, especially, like, creatively... It's come to me more and more the longer I'm sober that I love writing and I loved writing when I was a kid. Like, it's taken me back to like who, what were my fundamental like sources of fire and liveliness when I was young? Um, and those feed me now. So that's like, I guess, where I am um, growing. Like, you know that saying, like, if you're not growing, you're dying or whatever. I think that that's kind of true for me. Like if I am not doing something new, I'm just watching Netflix all day and um, not going to meetings. And I actually haven't been going to meetings. Um, and I feel okay with that. <laughs> but um, I got a, a couple other 12-step programs and I do like, I still got my homies and I come to AA, but just, I guess not as much as I used to. And I don't know. To that end, it'll be true. Like, if I start to feel squirrely or it's not right, I'll adjust and I still meet with my sponsor and whatever. But I can't do a rigid thing. It doesn't work for me. I just can't do it. I know some people really need that, and I needed that when I was new, and that's fine. I just, it's not for me. Can I, is it more? <laughs> I'm not making you talk. No, I know. I just like, wait, but it's like 55. So it's not right. Okay. Suggested. Suggested? <laughs> <laughs>
You don't like rules. I don't. Right. Thank you for suggesting it. Um, my ninth step, my first ninth step uh, was good. Um, <laughs> uh, one amends went badly, and it was because it was something that I needed to learn. Like, I really needed to get, like, no, that's, that's a defect that's real, that really affects people. Um, I made amends to this woman, and she said, your amends mean nothing to me. I, I don't want to hear them. I'm not interested. And then she wrote me a letter a year later and said, you know what? Your amends meant so much to me. I just couldn't take them at the time, and I was on my own path of, like, heroin stuff. Um, so you never know, you know. And I made amends to the cops that arrested me that first night of drinking. Um, I <laughs> When I called in, I was like, hey, you know, I'm looking for this woman um, near Force. She's like, uh, kind of butch. She's got a short blonde hair. <laughs> and the, the woman on the phone was like, um, you're describing like 20 women on the phone. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so I, I called my sponsor. I was like, Tom, um, I don't know how to make amends. He was like, get some flowers get a card, go to the police station, and just let them know, like, what. So I wrote in this card, like, thank you for keeping me safe that night, and, like, I'm very sorry that I treated you badly, blah, 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 blah. and, like, gave it to them. It, it was like, the office was like... This <laughs> 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 <It was> fun. <laughs> never thought I would make amends to cops. Are you kidding me? I was a punk rocker. Make amends to cops. And I was like, willing to do anything. And I knew, like, I wanted to clean my slate. Because, like, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. Like, um, in sobriety in San Francisco in the disguise period, I was, um, I couldn't, I couldn't stop stealing shit. Like, I just couldn't stop. And, uh, I, would steal from thrift stores, which is really sad. <laughs> but, like, I called Tom one day. I was like, Tom, I stole a purse from New to You or one of those ones in San Francisco. And he just laughed. He was so sweet with me. He was just like, he was like, oh, girl. He said, oh, girl, you're so ghetto. That's what he said. <laughs> and then he said, he said, you know what? You, this is about... It's not about humiliation. It's about making it right. So go back to the store. Tell them you forgot to pay for the purse and pay for it. So I brought my, like, 239. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a cheap fucking thing. And, like, I did it. And the girls are like, okay, whatever. And they didn't know. So, yeah. So... I'm very happy to have spoken, and thanks, Mindy, for asking, and thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.